Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. We have got a very special interview today. I am having a chat to Beck Rayner. Welcome Beck. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. I feel even more special now that you've called me a special guest. (laughs) Beck, I really wanted to have a chat to you today because you've got some fascinating stories and insights. But before we launch into that, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and a bit of your background and why we might be chatting to you today? Sure. So I'm Beck and I live on the New South Wales South Coast and I'm a mum and a wife of a husband and the military. You pretty much marry the man and the job when the military is concerned. And and probably one of the other titles I like to own up to right from the start is that I'm a self-confessed cheese addict. So I do take payment in cheese if anyone wants to know. But um, <laughs> aside that. from <laughs> yeah, so aside from those things, I'm 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 so much more than that, and and those things are important and definitely have an impact and shape you in certain ways, but. I'm a person outside of being a mum and a wife and a military spouse and I guess the importance of acknowledging that and not only for myself but for others is one of the reasons I decided to start my podcast which is Military Wife Life. I I really wanted to focus on and tell the stories of those people behind the military member and the ones often holding the family together, juggling all the balls on the home front and sometimes just doing their thing quietly in the background. So through my podcast and the community that grew from that, I have really been able to, I guess, connect with so many other spouses from across the country and overseas who also live the military life and also want to be reminded that they're important and they're an important part of the military member's success and that they deserve to be acknowledged and, I guess, really feel like they're being seen and heard. What you do, I think, is really, really valuable. As a military wife myself, i feel like there was a really big gap in that space. There seems to be this kind of unspoken or unwritten rule, like military wives, I feel like we kind of naturally gravitate towards each other because it's like, you know, there are people that just get you and get your situation and get your highs and lows without you having to explain, you know, the ins and outs and the the changes in location and the changes in mood and the changes in dynamic in it in your family and in your home when members are are home or away and that kind of thing. But I feel like you connect with those military people in your locality while you're there and then you move on. And through your podcast, and this is how I got to know you, Beck, is by listening to your podcast, which I think is fabulous. And we will come back and tell you more about that towards the end of the show. But I feel like there was a gap. You connected with those military spouses around you but you've kind of facilitated this connection between military spouses all over Australia and, in fact, internationally. And I think, I think it's fascinating and I think it's, it's really wonderful that you've, you've kind of knitted all these, these women especially but spouses generally together through your podcast. So good on you. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. I guess um, when you become a military spouse, you don't know what you're, you're doing and there's no manual like you know. Um, you just kind of feel your way through and the difference like you mentioned is that when you're feeling your way through you're feeling your way through usually after moving and you're away from friends and family and and everything that you know and 
your partner, the military member is often away or deployed and you're not able to contact them all the time because of security or communication restrictions. And like you mentioned, you move every two to three years, you just get settled or haven't even had a chance to and you're moving again and then you're looking for new jobs and a new doctor and the essentials like a hairdresser, which every spouse needs to find straight away and Mm -hmm. everything that goes with moving to a new place and sometimes or a lot of the time you just feel like you're coming to grips with the lifestyle and how it all works and you just feel a little bit lost and alone and I've definitely been in that situation and like you mentioned I guess I just felt like there needed to be something that brought all of those people that were feeling alone together to let them know that there are others out there going through the same thing. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful community that you've created and I think there's probably a lot of people that felt really isolated in their journey as a military spouse, but I think you're uh, probably alleviating a whole lot of those issues. So Now, Beck, you have your own story other than the story of helping other military spouses connect and feel connected with each other. You've been through quite a bit in your history as well and have recently overcome some physical challenges and dealt with physical and mental clutter. And I'd love to have a bit of a a deep dive into your story and what makes you tick. So where should we kick off? Where would you like to start? Well, I guess there's a little bit of a lead-in that resulted in my physical and mental transformation and I guess a real overall declutter of my life, you could call it. Um, I didn't grow up wanting to be married with three kids and a dog by 25. That wasn't me. I'd grown up wanting to get a degree, wanting to go on to have a career. And when I met my husband, he was just finishing his studies and about to go into the Navy and I just thought, okay, that's great. You'll have your career and I'll have mine and that will work. The reality was that military lifestyle and the moving and the fact that the military member has signed up to serve their country and they go where the Navy needs them and essentially their career is priority because that's just how it has to be. Um, The reality of that was that there came a time where I had to essentially choose between my career or my marriage. We'd lived apart at the time for four of the seven years that we'd been together and seeing each other on weekends, but basically feeling like it was a part-time marriage. And I guess my mental and physical health was suffering. I had become depressed. I wasn't getting any joy out of my career anymore, which was the whole reason why we were living apart. So I just had to think, do I want my career or do I want my marriage? Because at that time, neither of them were working and something had to give, I guess. So I chose to quit my job and move to be with my husband. But The reality of that was that my whole life I had pinned my success and my happiness on my career and I no longer had that. So I went through a good few years, it took me a while to come around, of Mm -hmm. wondering who I am. I'm I'm just a wife now and then soon after I'm just a mum. Now, there's nothing wrong with being those things, but for me, my inner dialogue wasn't allowing me to be happy being those things. And so when I realized my husband would soon be getting posted to a ship and going away a lot, I knew that I had to take steps to change things in my life in order to basically be able to survive the posting and not only survive, but thrive. My first step was taking the huge leap to go ahead with weight loss surgery, which was something I had been thinking about for a long time. And I I thought about being able to get the physical side of things under control, With that, I hadn't really actually realized that 
what would actually um, it would actually set me on a path to really sorting out every other area in my life. So once I had the surgery, I essentially started to realize that a lot of the blocks in my life were a lot to do with my thought processes and the mental side of things. And like all of a sudden, I went from using food to essentially self-soothe to not physically being able to comfort eat food, even if I tried, which really forced me to actually confront and deal with my my feelings and my thoughts and my patterns. And while it's hard to come to the realization that you have essentially been avoiding the hard areas in your life, it's also such a freeing experience. And because without the weight of all those things you have shoved to the side for so many years, you, sh- you suddenly have space to let go and move forward and actually live. So while the weight loss and physical side of things were happening, I started to get back into exercise and really come to love it again. And I started to treat exercise as my mental health plan. Um, the endorphins that I would get from running, they were just crazy and a little bit addictive. But um, with that also came a clearer mind. And it basically felt like I was stepping out of this fog instead of muddling through life and just holding on day in and day out, I was able to cope with life better. And I felt in control for the first time in a long time. And I guess instead of the the small things tipping me over the edge, small things were just small things. And so after the physical and mental declutter, I just felt like I needed to let go in all areas of my life. So I started obviously with letting go of clothes that didn't fit anymore. I had to let go of all my clothes basically because I had lost so much weight and if you're happy to answer this what we, what mm. was your your approximate weight gain like how can you talk us through um where you started and then yeah. where you were at the point where you decided that you needed to take you know drastic action and have surgery and yeah. then where you found yourself after that like what kind of transformation are we talking yeah so I guess the weight started coming on when I went through the period of depression when my husband and I were living apart and I was at home and there was no one to share the food with and there was um you know and I'm in this depressive mood and I'm eating to to comfort eat so I I guess the kilos started piling on then and then sort Mm. of continued because I hadn't dealt with any of those emotions and just kept the comfort eating going and and hadn't really stepped out of that depression even though I was feeling better, but um, I just couldn't get a handle on um, the weight loss. Like I, I would go back to exercise and I'm the type of person that I need to see results straight away and it, it wasn't happening. I wasn't patient enough, but in saying that I, by that stage, pretty much stacked on, you know, 35 kilos. So mm-hmm. we're not talking about going back to exercise and losing two kilos. It's going back to exercise and having that weight of oh, it's going to take me years to get rid of these kilos. And obviously then with having a husband that works a lot and is away and then little kids, it just wasn't working for me. So I had always thought about the weight loss surgery and I I guess when I knew that he was going to be gone and there was just really not going to be time in my life for exercise and prioritising that side of things, I decided to go forward. So by the time I ended up having the weight loss surgery, Um, I was at nearly 120 kilos. Mm. So I had the weight loss surgery and um, within the first couple of months I had lost, I think, 25 kilos. Um, And then I'm nearly two years on and I'm at the point of 45 kilos lost and I'm still losing little bits each week sort of thing because I'm still on top of my exercise. 
I had in my mind that I could never get there. And mm-hmm. yes, the weight loss the weight loss surgery gave me the tools, but um, it's been up to me sticking to a healthy diet and an exercise regime that it's continued to work for me because you can very easily um, stack back on the kilos. Like if you really want to self-soothe with food, you can. Even if you can't eat very much, you can still only eat chocolate or you can still drink chocolate milkshakes. Like there's there's ways of self-sabotaging if you really yeah. want to if you really want to go back there. But um yeah, so it really gave me the tool to, I guess, restrict my eating. And then once that was restricted and I started to lose the weight and I guess focus on like I mentioned, my thought processes and the fact that a lot of it was to do with the mental side of things, it just um, the results that I continued to get and the way I was feeling physically and mentally just kept me motivated and kept me going further. When you talk about your husband being away, I naturally, you know, understand that, but I guess there will be people listening that don't quite get what the image of uh, a military member serving and what that looks like. Can you explain more about um, your husband working away? Yeah, so basically, I mean, it's it's different for every military family, but for us, um, once we decided to have children, we had always gone into that decision um, with the mindset of I would stay in the one hosting location and he would go to wherever he um, was posted to, which was usually going to be three hours one way or three hours the other way. So when it came time um, before he was even posted to a ship to get posted to Canberra because my daughter was already in school and I had a business and we were established, we had support networks and friends and had everything sort of life sorted in our area, I stayed with the kids and he would go um, to Canberra during the week to work and then he would drive three three hours home for the weekends and then do that week in, week out. So we had a, a year of that before he got posted to the ship. So once he got posted to the ship, um, whenever the ship is gone, he's gone with it and whenever it's back, he he works um, three hours the other way. So he was three hours um, from us in Sydney. So we were fairly um, used to the Monday to Friday not seeing him and then just seeing him on weekends and then it obviously stepped up a notch when he went to sea. So he would go um, for the first year of the the sea posting, he um, would go on, I guess, an eight-week trip and then he'd be back for two months and then go again for 12 weeks and be back for two months. And, yeah, so it ended up being the first year he was away for altogether six months and then the second year of the posting, he went on a big deployment, which was a six-month stretch. So I guess when, yeah, we talk about being away, like, (laughs) you you know, um, for most people, they would think, okay, a couple of weeks, eight weeks is a short trip for us. (laughs) um, That's the thing, or, you know, because plenty of family members or husbands or wives travel for work, they go to Melbourne for two days for a conference, or, you know, they fly to Brisbane for an overnighter, you know, and that's, I think so many people think, oh, yeah, my husband's away or my, my wife's away for a couple of days. But in the military, away is like, it's that's it's a whole nother level away. of being yeah. away and it's not even they're away but I can still text them 
all hours of the day and night. It's sometimes, right. you know, there's these long stretches where you have no contact. And so Yeah, and, and even if, you know, if you did have an emergency or something that you really needed to talk to them about, it's a to the point of having to contact a hotline, an emergency hotline, and it has to be something pretty serious to be able to do that, to be able to contact them. So I guess even knowing that is an extra weight on your shoulders, knowing that, you know, once they go, they're gone and everything and anything is up to you. And I, and which is why I felt I needed to get every area in my life sorted before my husband went on his deployment, because I wanted to go into it knowing that I could handle anything that came my way and, and wanted him to feel like I was going to cope and that he could go away knowing 100% that he wasn't going to get a call of me breaking down over whatever it is that mm-hmm. leads me to have a mental breakdown sort of thing um, because yeah. I'd laid those foundations before he, he'd left. And see, and that's the thing. I think giving that context, it's like, okay, now, you know, it's a much easier kind of picture to understand why there might be a whole lot of um, mental clutter and mental blocks getting in the way because it's not just, yep, okay, you know, I'm having a bad week or I'm feeling a bit down. Your life pivots so regularly from being in a um, happy marriage with two kids that looks like very much a, you know, nuclear family and normal life and then a couple of weeks later pivots to being a single parent and not just a single parent living on your own but a single parent that has sole responsibility for every decision because your member might not be contactable for and you know that kind of stuff even if you are 100% confident and your mental health is you know as as perfectly aligned as it can be those struggles and changes impact you deeply so if you're not feeling really centered and really grounded and really confident that pivot again and again and again can really um, hit people hard. And I think that's where all the self-doubt and the emotional mental clutter can really kind of start eating away at you. So now take us back to the, you know, so you've gone through the weight loss surgery, you've kind of started on this process of transformation. What happened next? I guess so once I had dealt with the, physical and mental declutter and I had really come out of the other side and was ready to embrace I guess what I wanted to go forward and do in life the main thing that I had been stopped or the main thing that I had stopped myself from doing was going forward and building the community that I've built with Military Wife Life and um, going forward and doing the podcast because maybe I was scared of being vulnerable and putting my life out there because Previously, I had in the past probably thought, well, they're going to throw my weight in my face, which (laughs) no one's going to do that. But you still have that weight on your shoulders thinking there's something that I'm vulnerable, vulnerable about and they might be able to pick up on it and use it against me. I don't know why I was thinking that way, but all of a sudden when the weight was gone, I was able to think, okay, well, there's nothing stopping me now so I can go forward and build this community and the podcast and and be confident doing it because essentially I don't know I let go of worrying about what other people thought because mm-hmm. I had just built my confidence so high um, that it really didn't matter what other people thought or 
whether they liked what I was doing or didn't like what I was doing, I needed to do it because I knew there was a need for it and a want for it and people were craving it because I was. And once I did it and had that overwhelming support come from the community and people would send me a message and say, you've helped me and that's exactly what I was going through today or I can't thank you for um, putting that in words or for saying that because I feel that as well. I really started to, I guess, get as much support from that community as I was giving to them and it just spurred me on. So I guess in the past I would have thought that success was the career that I'd always envisioned. So maybe um, my past um, employment would have been uh, radio journalism and I'd always wanted to be a television reporter and and that had been you know, my goal. But once I decided to move and that wasn't an option anymore, I had to bring myself around to the fact that maybe that wasn't meant to be and maybe I'm being led to something greater. And I sat with it and let it happen and put myself out there. And the community that I built was what was greater and was waiting for me on that path. And I didn't even realize that I was being led to that. And Mm. yeah, just the fact that I had done the work before arriving there and I could 100% enjoy it and put myself into it was just the best feeling. Yeah, I think we end up, we, we tell ourselves these stories, we make up a story around our situation so often and, you know, and I don't, I don't know exactly what your sto- your mental story was, but if it was, you know, around things like, you know, my life will be better when I lose the weight or my life will be better when I let go of all this physical clutter or my life will be, you know, happiness resides at this point or I can't, I can't do this until I, my life looks like this. You know, we kind of, and these, I think a lot of the time we don't even know we're telling ourselves these stories, but they kind of, they show in all aspects of our behaviour these stories we keep repeating to ourselves, and sometimes they can be positive and quite often they can be negative and really limit not only what we see for ourselves but also what we do for ourselves. And I think it sounds like you kind of let some of those stories go as the, the physical weight and then the mental decluttering kind of happens. Some of those stories, you know, have left yeah. you or have changed for you and now that's the thing. If you were a, um, a radio journalist or journalist on TV, uh, you would have an impact. But I think, you know, now with the wonder of hindsight, the impact that you have weekly when you show up in people's podcast apps and help them feel connected is probably far greater than the impact you would have had then. It's just a shame. You can't go back and tap yourself on the shoulder 10 years ago and say, don't worry. I know, you know? but I wasn't ready then. I, was, yeah. I wouldn't have been ready then. So, And I hadn't taken responsibility for my life really, like despite the fact that I was a functioning adult and, you know, was confident in most areas of life and could birth children and, and have a successful marriage and deal with everyday issues, I really wasn't taking responsibility for my life. And I guess once I started to take responsibility, I I just I freed myself of those aspects that I thought were weighing me down that really weren't. It was just my thinking and myself that were holding my me back. Like all of a sudden, and I don't know how I picked this up, but it must have been because I could think clearer 
um, after, I guess, decluttering in every area of my life, I all of a sudden started to ask myself if I came to a roadblock or had a problem or thought that I couldn't do something or wondered why I wasn't able to go forward with a certain thing. I would ask myself why. And it sounds simple, but mm-hmm. so, for instance, okay, I, I can't exercise because my husband lives away and I have the kids. I can't leave the house in the morning and go for a walk because my husband's not here to look after the kids. And I would think to myself, but why can't you find another way? Why can't you exercise at home? And then you start to hit roadblocks. Well, I can. So then you think to yourself, well, okay, well, there isn't a reason why you can't do it. You're just telling yourself that you can't. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people avoid taking responsibility in their life and really like delving deep into why they think a certain thing or why they think they can't do something because it's just far easier to say I can't and not take responsibility. Mm. And I always think um, what happens so often is when we lose control in an aspect of our life, we kind of end up feeling just like we're passengers. And I, without, you know, knowing the the real deep details of your story, I guess you picture your life in one way and then you end up, you know, meeting the man of your dreams, but it's not in a in a way that is controllable for you because his career dictates where he lives, when he's home, when he's gone, and not that he's just gone for a little while, but it might be for a long while. And there's this whole spectrum or, you know, segment of your life that you have no control over. And then you end up throwing your hands in the air like so many of us have and will do and go, well, you know, I'm now I'm just a passenger. Like my uh, existence and my life is just going to be whatever the military tells me. I'm going to live where they tell me and we're going to end up, you know, being together as a family when the military says it's okay. And, and I think a lot of military wives hear that and connect with that and feel like they've lost control of their own life. And I think when you kind of reclaim that and you might not be able to claim and control exactly where you live, but that is only one aspect of your existence. There's all these other things that you can control, like, you know, the way you face the day every day and the attitude you have and the the home you live in, the environment you create for your kids, all of that kind of stuff. Just because one segment is out of control doesn't mean you kind of have to throw your arms in there and be a passenger and think, uh, yeah, I give up. That is also true. And basically you could, I can hear me and my thinking in that statement because in the past I might have been like, well, I've put on weight because I can't do this and that's because I'm here because of the military and the military's the problem and it's their fault that I'm eating this whole packet of biscuits because my husband's not here to share them with, like just basic things like that. But then mm-hmm. little things like that can turn into bigger things in your life where you you take you stop taking responsibility and yeah just let go of control and for me that's a big thing because I like control um but once really I actually I guess started to let go of control and just let life happen and I guess participate and then decide to live the best life that I could it took letting go of control, but then also gaining control in other areas of my life, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Because, yeah, you can't just, I mean, well, you can, and so often people do just uh, give up and, and let someone else drive. But I think when you kind of take take back the steering wheel and and control what you can, then there's no reason you can't you can't live the way you want and experience yeah. the things you want. So now that you've you've had this amazing transformation, how do you how do you cope with things like being a solo parent for months at a time? Do you do you find them easy now or do you find them easier? Or, you know, do you still struggle with loneliness and things like that? Um, I guess I don't just live this all of a sudden blessed life that, you know, is every day is mm-hmm. awesome and I still have hard days and I still miss my husband and I still think, oh, why aren't you home to mow the lawn this time? I don't want to do it again <laughs> yep. sort of thing. But instead of placing blame on my husband or the military or whatever the circumstance is, I um, step back and think of different ways that I can cope with whatever comes at me during the day or on a weekly basis and how I can do better next time. So maybe last week I had no patience for the kids, but why, what didn't I have any patience for the kids? Was it because I felt run down and I didn't get enough exercise in, so I didn't have, you know, a good mindset that week? What was it that was stopping me from being the person that I wanted to be and maybe it came back to I needed to go to bed earlier or I needed to fit more exercise in or whatever the case or I needed to eat better or whatever the case or I needed time to myself but instead of um, using those things as an excuse I would then or I do then go forward and think well how can I incorporate those things in my life more or how can I fix those areas um, instead of using excuses and having a negative, you know, spiralling into a negative mindset and continuing the way that I had been going. Um, How can I really, I guess, nip it in the bud before um, it gets out of control and starts to affect me mentally and physically? So do you have any tips or hacks for us now that you use to get yourself in a good headspace or to get out of that victim mode or victim mentality when you feel yourself slipping into it? Yeah, I guess um, the key is actually acknowledging those feelings and sitting with those feelings instead of shoving them aside or dwelling on them, being able to acknowledge them and actually cope with them and move forward from them. So, yeah, okay, I feel like I never get any time to myself and um, this week all it's been about is the kids and running them to this and going to soccer training and I've had no time to myself. But really stepping back and thinking, okay, so why have I had no time to myself? Because I haven't prioritized myself or because I didn't predict that, you know, my husband has been away for three months and um, at this stage I'll be getting tired and I needed to organize a movie night with my friends, whatever the case may be. Um, I guess it's about really coming back to acknowledging your feelings, dealing with the feelings, moving on from them and and deciding how you can better deal with those feelings the next time they come up. And that's by, I guess, putting things in place that will help you not get to that point next time. Maybe um, once a week you have a coffee catch up with friends because you know that when you see friends, you can debrief with each other and you walk away feeling lighter and like you can tackle another week of whatever comes your way. Or maybe it is 
putting your hand up and saying yes to the help that whoever your friends have offered help saying yes because often we our automatic response is no I'm okay Mm -hmm. saying yes and feeling okay and saying yes and thank you thank you for the help and I'll accept it or maybe it is saying no and and that's what you need to do to be able to cope with life that week saying no and pulling back from things that aren't essential or that you don't really need to be doing because you're already stretched whatever the case so yeah I basically I guess the hacks are laying those foundations so that um, you're just better able to cope with things that come along because inevitably there'll always be something there'll always be a kid that gets a vomit bug at the wrong time or Mm -hmm. you know whatever the case may be that really would push you over the edge but because you've lay those foundations and you've looked after yourself and and made time for yourself and prioritized whatever it is that you think is important in life um you can better cope with whatever it is that comes your way so yeah yeah I I really I hear that I hear you know essentially that what whatever you feel that that feeling is valid and that you need to let let that be rather than try and squash it or push it down or ignore it or, you know, eat your way, drink your way, whatever, through it, um, just go, okay, this is it. This is how I, this is how I feel. I feel like this for a reason. Now, what, what can I do about that rather than just, you know, ignoring it? Especially for military wives or military partners, because I found that even I would do this for, I guess, for the first 10 years of being a spouse, you would always compare yourself to, but my husband hasn't been away on a nine-month deployment or my husband hasn't been, you know, we haven't done living apart for as long as the other person that I know or um, he's not in the army and he doesn't go to dangerous areas. Whatever the case may be, we, I guess in life we are constantly comparing our situation to other people or, you know, I'm healthy, I should be happy or whatever it is. But just because um, you're not dealing with what other people are dealing with and maybe it's harder for them um, or it's a, a worse situation doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid. Hard is hard. Validate those feelings and be able to move forward from them instead of thinking someone else has got it worse and I shouldn't be complaining. Mm, that. That comparison game that we play and also, you know, not just, you know, I shouldn't whinge my life is not as hard as theirs, but also look how good they've got it. Why doesn't my life look like that? You know, we kind of, we play both sides. We um, (laughs) kind of don't want to be too much of a victim because we feel like other people have it worse, but also then we will feel negative about our own existence because other people seem to have it better. And I think it's that that whole notion of just, you know, stay in your lane, live your life. When you feel great, celebrate it. When you feel rubbish, you know, acknowledge that and work out strategies to to move on from that and stop looking left and right all the time and trying to work out how you compare to the people around you. Um, you know, and then when you see someone around you struggling, help them out, lift them up, you know, and, and validate their feelings as well. Um, regardless of how they compare to your situation. so Yeah, for sure. I always like to say be the person that you needed because mm. there's so much to come from that, like just putting yourself back in their, in their shoes and, and thinking about what you needed when you might have been in a similar situation or instead of 
judgment help them and help them to move forward in a in a better way that maybe you did because you've got more experience in life or you've been through certain things and can see it from another perspective but be the person that you needed for someone else and that brings us perfectly to back all the way around to your podcast because I think that's what you keep offering um certainly the military wife community but also the wider community you are being that support for the people out there and that's the support that ideally you would have had you know in the past so can you now tell us a little bit more about your podcast how often it's released what you do what you discuss on there and um and where we can find it yeah so I guess um anyone can listen to the podcast you don't have to be a military spouse um it really is just about telling the stories of the people behind the military member and really acknowledging I guess what we go through and our experience on the other side so maybe the military member goes off to sea but what really happens back on the home front like there's a story in the people that are left behind Um, so the podcast is really about sharing their experiences and everything that they go through on the daily basis and what it's like to be moving and um, I guess we've got someone that moved at 38 weeks pregnant and ended up having her baby while she was in temporary accommodation and they hadn't even moved into their house yet or um, (laughs) another person that's husband came back from um, overseas deployment and um, went through a diagnosis of PTSD. There's a a varied um, range of stories and it's really from the perspective of the spouse. It's not really focused on the military member because they get a lot of praise and we hear about their experience a lot, but it's about the person that's left behind. So, yeah, so basically um, if anyone wants to listen, it's um, Military Wife Life. You can look it up on any of your podcast apps or you can listen to it um, directly from the website which is militarywifelife.com.au and then we've got the communities which um, are in Instagram and Facebook so you can join the community and you can even follow along if you're not a military spouse or um, connected with military because it's a great way to really I guess get an insight of what it really is about being a military family or a military spouse. It's and even though I am a military spouse, I still find the stories fascinating because, like you said, every family is different, every military situation is different. Um, my partner is in the Air Force, but it is so different from the stories that come out of the Navy. Like my husband doesn't go away for these, you know, huge long deployments or hasn't yet. Um, and so I, you know, and I find it really interesting to listen, not to just to how people cope, but also what they're, you know, get an insight into what their lives look like being the the backup crew or the support crew for the military member and how people cope with that and some of their strategies. It's just, it's a really, it's a really lovely space and there's some some really lovely tales that come out of that. So I uh, encourage you to go check it out. And I want to say thank you, Beck. It has been a wonderful chat today and I feel like you've given us lots of, you know, great tidbits that we can we can take away and think about. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. And I will put all of Beck's notes, um, all of the links to her show and websites and Facebook and that uh, in our show notes. So if you would like to find out more, you can head to our website, beyondcluttered.com.au 
and it will all be there for you under the Military Wife Life episode. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all of your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.